All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Real Live Talk. Thanks so much for joining me today. So pumped that you're here, and I hope this conversation adds some value to your day. Uh, my guest for today is Joe Mustin. And look, I'm just going to say it. Joe is a legend in the hardcore, post-hardcore music scene. You would know him from such bands as Beloved, Advent, Your Son is Dead, Torn, and the almost currently, I love that I get to say currently, a drummer and vocalist for Beloved, as well as lead vocalist for Advent. Joe is also a youth pastor to middle schoolers at Winston-Salem First in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And then just sort of on a personal note here, I've just had a little bit of an opportunity very recently to get to know Joe. And uh, I would truthfully say that uh, just one of the most humble people that I've ever met also, family man, the lovely wife of 17 years, two beautiful children, just an amazing heart for people and passion for God. And so, Joe, man, here's the deal. Like, I'm, I'm so pumped that you're here. Really appreciate you for taking the time to do this. And not just because of, like, the fact that you're awesome at music or because Beloved is one of my favorite bands ever, but also, like, <laughs> just because of your authenticity and the example that you set forth as a man of God. And so again, just um, this is a huge honor for me to talk to you today, man. So thanks for being here. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing really good. And thank <laughs> you so much for having me, man. Seriously. Uh, yeah, I was excited to uh, get to talk with you on the phone. I think it was like a week ago or a couple weeks ago, but uh, super cool to get to know you, get to hear some of your story. I'm already doing the the chair swivel thing i'm already doing <laughs> we were it just talking about this yeah man <laughs> okay so, are you sorry <laughs> is that something that you struggle with like the the fidgeting or uh yeah i think it's the drummer thing man i'm always tapping on a desk even when i'm not realizing it and my wife says that it's so much louder than i realize so we we'll go into a doctor's yeah. office we'll go into somewhere where we're really supposed to be kind of quiet and i'm over here just <laughs> foot on the floor you know tapping. Yeah, <laughs> really bad. i'm really bad at like clicking pens and just play oh, my yeah. wife my wife is really into pens and i'll just always just you know i'll grab whatever's closest to me and i'll just start playing with it and then yeah. i'll just break it like i've broken so yeah she's banned me i'm not allowed <laughs> to touch her pens anymore because i just break them all the time and pretty yeah. almost immediately <laughs> it's a oh, problem yeah. I, so. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about i usually click in rhythm to something you know so yeah man well uh well well look i i've got i've got a lot of things i want to talk to you about today um i might have one or two if you can indulge me one or two sort of like nerdy fan moments. Uh, but, but, I, but I do want yeah. to talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, ministry and some of the stuff that you're doing now and stuff like that. But I'd like to kind of start just going back a little bit to the beginning. Like I, I really fell in love with, um, with beloved. Uh, I saw you guys circa 2003. It might've been early 2004. I can't remember. Um, but I saw you guys on the solid state tour um, in Philly it was like Dead Poetic, Norma Jean, Under Oath, and uh, Haste the Day, I think, with you guys. It was like still one of the best shows <laughs> I've ever been to. It's pretty pretty unreal so when, I, when I look back at that lineup. Um, but I, I, I saw you guys there for the first time and just really fell in love with your music and with your sound. And then uh, it was only maybe like a, a year, maybe a year and a half later after that, that you guys, you know, broke up and I actually had a ticket 
you and I were talking about this the other day and I didn't realize at the time I thought I had a ticket to one of your last like few shows but I talked to my buddy and the 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 buddy that I was telling you about that actually went to the show and I that I bailed out on it actually was the last show <laughs> was the last show, okay. your last show. Yeah. I had a ticket to your last show on it was uh, January 14th right of, of 05 January. yeah 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 man so that was the show I had a ticket and I was at Bible college at the time. And it was like the first week back at our uh, of like that spring semester. And we would always <laughs> do this thing called the week of prayer. And uh, it was like the whole week at the beginning of the semester. It was like before you would even go to classes, it would just be like a full day of, you know, there would be some speakers and stuff like that. But it would be a lot of worship and prayer time and time seeking the face of God. And I was like, OK, I think I'm going to not do that. And I'm going to go see Beloved instead because it's their last <laughs> show. And then I guess it was I guess it was conviction, man, that just at, at the last minute, I just backed out. And I was like, <clears throat> I, I it, it always kind of haunted me and stuck with me all these years. I sort of at the beginning, I think, had this because, you know, I mean, a lot of bands break up and then get back together a year later or you know two or three years later so i sort of had that hope in my mind that like maybe maybe someday they'll get back together and like it won't be that big of a deal <laughs> but then uh that never happened until yeah. now until uh you know 16, 16 years, years later <laughs> i have an opportunity to see you guys again um at furnace fest coming up so pumped about that but uh but more than that just this opportunity to talk with you today and stuff yeah. it just it feels like it just feels like destiny <laughs> all i'm saying man that's cool <laughs> Dude, that show was, I, I don't blame you, man. I've had so many moments where conviction just got in the way, you know, it just got yeah, in the way. Come on, of... come on, Holy why are you trying to be so involved in my life right now? <laughs> man, that's really but yeah. Really but fun. yeah, so it's, it's been, uh, it's been a, it's been a long journey, man. So you guys, um, Beloved started in 99, is that right? Yeah, we started in 1999. We were and, just seniors uh, in high school. Seniors in high school. And I remember some of those like high school shows at some of the, um, you know, local venues and stuff like that. What what was it like? Yeah. I mean, what sort of prompted you to what what was just a little bit of the maybe background that led you guys into forming Beloved? You know, honestly, I think I only knew two of the guys in the band really well, which is okay. funny. Um, John, a guy named John Brim was our bass player. Yeah, uh, a guy named Sean. Sean uh, Dallas was our guitar player, um, and we just kind of we just went to high school together. We had gone to shows together. We were all interested in the same music scene together, um, and we I don't know, man. Is you know you're a senior in high school. You're finally you're on top. You're the top dog, and yeah. <laughs> now it was our time to kind of like live out the. I don't know if it was a if it if it was obviously it was the Lord, obviously he was involved in some sort of way, but I think we just wanted to be in a band. We were like, dude, it's our time. Like we're seniors, we've already been in some kind of little hokey bands together okay. throughout the years, and they were fun. And we played house shows and YMCA hardcore punk rock shows, but we wanted to do it, you know, do do the real thing uh the real thing and so we just started writing really bad songs in my parents basement <laughs> so, yeah yeah so like what were those early like those early days like what kind of 
what was what kind of music were you doing at the beginning because i know like the the running ep came out in 2001 so before that what was the what was the there actually is doing? there actually is a release that's out it's it's really hard to find because it's on okay. like uh, I don't know what you call the little the discs that you would burn. Like we had to burn them and then put like a paper um, yeah, cover on top of the CD. Yeah, the, like the uh, CDRs but, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. CDRs. So the little the green when when your band finally goes from like the green <laughs> the green bottom to the to the you know like kind of silver clearish chrome bottom you know you've made it so yeah man. uh but we what was the question <laughs> i don't know <laughs> no i just wonder like what the music oh, what was like in the very our, early yeah, days yeah, of beloved because okay. all right so our sound we were dude we were all over the place because we didn't even know we knew we wanted to be a band but um i remember listening to sean and i were on the way to you know, back to my house, maybe from going to get something to eat. And uh-huh. we're listening to an album by a band called Spitfire. They put out an album on solid state called the dead next door. <laughs> and there's a little riff at the very beginning. Um, and I, I think the song that we wrote sounded almost exactly like it. <laughs> and then I just started screaming over top of it. Cause I had kind of like a bank of, you know, lyrics and stuff. And I, I would try you, yeah. to squeeze it in rhythmically. And yeah, then, yeah. and then, so the first, probably the first three or four songs that we wrote, if you call them songs, were kind of heavy and kind of that Spitfire thing, Training for Utopia. We were really into that band. And then, um, then we met Dusty at school. I knew Dusty for a long time. I'm related to Dusty, but we figured out that we wanted him to be in our band. So he comes to band rehearsal and I think on the way either to like a Wendy's <laughs> or somewhere after rehearsal yeah. or to a youth group or something, he pops in like Jimmy Eat World, Clarity album, he pops okay. in like the Juliana Theory album. Yeah, man. Get up kids, and then I'm listening to like emo, you know, like the early right one of the earlier iterations of emo. I'm listening to that and and like we're like, dude, what if we, what if we put that together into a sound? So we started trying to figure that out. And sure enough, there's other bands around the same time as what we're doing, trying to yeah. figure out how to put those sounds together. So I didn't know, I didn't know that was a thing. So yeah, man, and that became such a big deal. Like, and and, and there's something so, man, really special about about your music about about beloved's music and i don't know maybe i should ask you to do this maybe i should ask you for for somebody who doesn't um who's not familiar with beloved who's never heard a beloved song like how would you describe the the music or the genre or the i guess the 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 feel of the music to somebody man so it goes from i mean if if we wanted to put a uh, we always struggled to kind of to kind of genreize ourselves, <laughs> like we didn't know how to. We we just didn't know how to to say it plainly. So we yeah. heard somebody call themselves melodic hardcore. Mm. So for a long time we went with that, that, which would be the blend of 
obviously melody and and noise scary and like stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah the scary stuff so and then we heard we heard the term post hardcore we heard we were never a hardcore band i mean there were plenty of bands that were hardcore bands that, and we right. never fit into that even though we loved that stuff um we, dude that's that's a really hard question i think that's probably one of yeah. the harder questions i've been asked because i don't i, I think we we never hit the nail on the head yeah man well that's kind of that now i feel better for asking that question because i because <laughs> i'm kind of yeah i was i was wondering that too but i think that's a good thing i think that that's a good thing that it's a little bit harder to categorize because it really speaks to the uniqueness of it and i i really feel like man, i i loved the the running ep i actually mm -hmm. didn't uh when I found you guys, the uh, failure on was already out. So I actually yep. didn't find the running until after I was really into failure on, um, even though it was like two, you know, two year difference there. But yeah, but so um, and and I love both albums, but failure on to me is such a special album. <laughs> we actually did last year, like during the pandemic, some of my friends were doing this thing on social media where they were like, you know, just like a, a challenge for the next 10 days every day post you know, uh, an album cover that's just been really um, influential in your life. And I think the very first one, when it was my turn to do it, <laughs> the very first one I did was Failure On. Uh, it was like the first wow. thing that I thought of because it's just, it really is probably for sure one of my favorite um, albums of all time. But but the point is there's something so unique about the sound of, yeah, man, that, that blend of like those really at times bright sounding melodies and like pretty like melodic kind of stuff that like the way that most of your songs start off is like really pleasant. <laughs> so like even, for, yeah, some, even yeah. for somebody that's not into that music scene at all, like a lot of people could listen to it and be like, oh yeah, this is great. Like, I love this. It's, it's, it's nice sounding. It's really pleasant. And then like Joe Mustin takes over <laughs> and it's just sort of this like descent into darkness um, yeah. in the best yeah. way. Like honestly, yeah. in the best way. I love the, I love those transitions. My favorite thing, are the transitions like out of the breakdowns if i can this is maybe one of my nerdy yeah. moments like yeah but the like i love there's something great about like you know of course the build up to the breakdown the build up to like when the you know the screaming lyrics are going to come in and like where it gets really heavy and intense there's something obviously that we love about that but i, I love the way that you guys would sort of like do those like up steps and transition back into the melodic type stuff from the breakdown where it wasn't you know you could do that in a really sort of crass way which is like do, 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 got to, do, get, and then just like switch the yeah. tempo but like yeah. it's not that at all it's like these really sort of um i don't know to me i i always you know saw these really cool just melodic chord progressions that would take you guys out of like you know sort of the basement back into the attic <laughs> and, yeah uh, yeah but but uh yeah man so anyway the, i'm just i'm just talking the, because the transitional I, but, moments were so important to us yeah and I think that's actually something that we cared about to such a high degree that that um, that separated us from a lot of other bands that would just, you know, rock part, heavy part. And it just kind of felt like it was always out of nowhere and never meshed. We yeah. like to figure out those. I mean, honestly, you're 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 being very intentional with like a few seconds. Mm -hmm. And so right, exactly. that's kind of how we focused, you know? So. Yeah. Well, you guys mastered it in my opinion. Um, I just, I, I thought it was, I still listen to, uh, 
this i don't know is is everybody's favorite song death to traitors i mean is that is it is it really obnoxious i think that is that's my favorite song (laughs) yeah that's 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 mostly everyone's favorite song but that is the first song like that that song predates almost every other song on failure on by at least a year if not a year and a half okay so we were still we were just trying to be a scene band right there you know we were listening to um like kind of metalcore and hardcore bands from our area and just wanting to redo their breakdowns so we figured out that first breakdown <laughs> in i think the first heavy part the first heavy part in death the traders is like matt was listening to deftones and then we go into that little kind of the melodic moment where josh sings and then it kind of builds up into the bum 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 and we took yeah. that straight up from a band called prayer for cleansing they were from our area really? Okay. So shout out to them. If you're from yeah. North Carolina, you probably already knew we ripped that off. Of <laughs> but then we just, uh, I think that song was probably the least, even though it's the favorite, it's probably the least musical compa- compared to the other songs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we weren't as seasoned in our sound yet. Yeah. Um, to kind of, really figure out how to work through those transitions yeah. and stuff that was more of a slap in the face type of song <laughs> anyway but uh, but uh like the the last transition out so like the in in the song um i th- think it happens twice maybe, maybe it's anyway it's not important but the last sort of transition out of like that last heavy part where it's uh-huh. like the, like we were born for battle without vision we will die. oh yeah like by the way did you did you write those lyrics Mm-hmm. you wrote that part like did you write all of your own like the parts that you're singing you wrote those yeah and so josh, josh and i yeah, yeah he would write his parts i would write my part that's cool I, okay let me let me make sure actually i can't <laughs> i can't consult my memory at this <laughs> right now too, or did you rip it off from, from <laughs> no we I, we didn't rip any of the, no, the lyrics <laughs> I <just joking>. I <laughs> thank you thank you uh no we uh I think I think I wrote those. Josh did come with a handful of ideas to me for my lyrics, at, you know, at times. And, and we would sometimes we would write together. But mm-hmm. uh, I think we kind of what our process would be. He would take the song home. He would take our cassette recording of the song home. I would dub it. I'd take my okay. my copy home and then he would write his lyrics. I would write mine and then we'd see how they fit together. So. Uh, wow man yeah that's cool so uh, anyway what i was going to say was i interrupted myself i do it sometimes but what i was going to say was the that sort of last transition out of that section of the song that breakdown where it goes back into like really nice melodic part at the end that sort of upstep out there particularly in that song i just think is just like i can just listen to that that transition like that like, da, 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 just da, da, all day long da, 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 da. it's like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. So good. Um anyway, but yeah man, so and the reason that I said for anybody who doesn't know that, you know, the parts of the song where Joe Mustin takes over is because you're back there on the drums and you're doing the the screaming vocals. Um yeah. well, do you would you call it screaming or growling or what, what would you call it? Screaming. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um so you're back there, you know, doing so you're in charge of the of the breakdown essentially like with the, you know, rocking the the drum beat transitions all that. And yeah. then also just belting out these like 
you know, really, uh, you know, sometimes brutal <laughs> sounding vocals. Yeah. And so anyway, that's why I said um, that when Joe Mustin takes over, it's just like a different, like, you know, a different kind of feel in the song, obviously. Yeah. Um, what's that like, man? The um, I've always been impressed by people that can play drums and sing at the same time. Like I've done some worship leading and so like I'll play guitar and sing. That's like a rhythm instrument. And it's just it's I it's easy to do as long as you're singing with what you're playing. But when you're trying to keep a, a drum beat and sing at the same time, like that's always really impressed me. Um, what is that like, man? Um, so I, it's really funny. I just did a podcast a couple of weeks ago and, uh, the guy that was doing the podcast, his name was Dana and he was asking me actually Dana and, uh, Matt, Matt from the labeled podcast, okay. they were kind of asking me some similar, I did, I did, they were asking me similar questions. And what blows my mind is that, that it is difficult. Not that I'm, <laughs> I, I guess I, we, so when Beloved started, I was actually the vocalist. I sang and did the screaming. So right. I was, there There was no Josh for the first right. like nine months. You know, he's on the first release. So that's honestly what counts. But if any local kids that came to a Beloved show in the early years, they would have just seen me screaming and okay. singing. So I did, I did all of it. And I think I just did it like, you know, when you're in the 12th grade and you're, you're pretty decent at drums and you're kind of semi-athletic and, and you're kind of, you just got a lot of energy. You mm -hmm. just kind of jump on the skateboard or the surfboard and just start going. And for me, I was just on the drum set. We don't have a vocalist. So I just figured out how to do it the, the best way that I could. And mostly... Yeah my vocals and my drums would line up, you know, okay. I was, I was intentional with the way that I would write it, but then I would figure out how to play counter rhythms against what I was singing or screaming that were complimentary and didn't require too much like division. Okay. <laughs> or, I gotcha. Yeah. You know, so it was very intentional and, to me at the time, it was easy now doing it. We've been rehearsing and stuff. I'm like, man, what was I? I've even talked to the guys. I'm like, what was I thinking? Like writing a drum part like this and trying to scream over top of it. So it definitely just took, I think, just being in the moment and it being required of me. Like it's one of those yeah. moments you just step up into the role that is sitting right there in front of you and you just do it and and you just have a lot of energy and um, my chops were always, uh, being challenged, you know, like when I'm always writing, we were always playing shows. So I had rehearsal all the time. Like okay. I'm practicing all the time, even when we're playing. So, um, yeah, it was just, just what I did, I guess. I don't know. It's hard <laughs> to explain. Well, how, I'm always curious about this. How did you discover your ability to scream like that because i'm, I'm always and, uh, curious about that because it's like was that just something were you into that kind of music and so you'd be like you know just listening to it on your own and you'd be like oh going yeah with it and then feeling like you could oh like maybe i could do this kind of thing or i think we just tried it at band <laughs> rehearsal like i didn't have a microphone i was just 
I remember Sean was over here and John was over here. And um, I guess we did, you know what? There was a guy named Josh Deaton that was singing, singing for us for a little while. We never played any shows with Josh. We didn't get past a few rehearsals with Josh. And so I think once he, once he kind of left, which I guess it really doesn't count because we haven't done anything yet at that point. But um, I just, man, I, I just did it. I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it. it. I just did it. It was just on the, it was just on the plate. You just eat, eat what's in front of you. Yeah. Like I remember this one time, uh, I was at a I was at a local show for you know one one of the, I went to see a band called The Ruined um, in uh, mm-hmm. I think it's Boundbrook, New Jersey, and it was like some yeah. of my friends that in high school that started this band, and so like I'm right up in the front, and at one point my friend like he he put the microphone down in front of my face at this sort of like intense part of the song, and so like I just like grabbed it and just like screamed something like I don't know what I screamed, but I just like grabbed <laughs> it and did it, and he just like pulled the mic back, he was like whoa, and then just kept doing his thing. And I was like, yeah, I, like I just did that. Like it just kind of happened. It just yeah. kind of came out. Like I had never, but so then I started to think maybe I could do this. Like maybe that's, but I don't know. If yeah. it, I don't know if it sounded good or bad. I have no idea. But, um, I, uh, but then like whenever I would like pretend that I was doing it, like I'd sing, sing along in the car with some like, you know, music or whatever, I would like 10 seconds and I'm done. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I'm yeah. sure there's got to be a lot of technique. Um, to how you do it did you ever think about that like is there certain technique or you just go for it and your vocal cords just you know do you ever have that. <laughs> issues there option option d <laughs> yeah I, I think i by the time like there were bands making money and it, it started to become like an industry like this mm-hmm. music scene and i'm seeing like uh i had a friend who was going and getting trained by the lady who did like metal vocalist she would teach metal vocalists yeah, how to scream and stuff yeah i just had no clue that that was even an option so you know i was already screaming and blowing out my vocal cords <laughs> you know but I, mean, I i guess they were just my vocal cords are just tough so now yeah. when i scream i've been telling the beloved guys like i'm gonna have to just drive around in my car or the truck and like just scream Right. Or, you know, a while. I actually talking to, I went to a show right before the pandemic kind of hit. I think it was back in like January or something and saw a buddy, um, Tim Lambesis. And he had, you know, he went through a period of time where he was not able to scream. Um, Yeah. And when he got done with, with what was going on in his life, you know, the band started up and it had been like eight or nine years since he had screamed. He was like, dude, I used to just ride around in the car and just scream to records. And I was like, that's what I do, man. Like before Advent shows, you know, like you just have to, it's a muscle memory thing. I think it's just, uh, and honestly, I don't even think muscle memory is true. Now that I remember, I think I read an article. It's like, muscle memory doesn't exist okay so that doesn't work so my art it, it all just fell apart um maybe if you think it it, it works it works maybe it's one of those things hey that's yeah. it it's a mental thing i it, yeah. it really is a mental thing man for me i think if i really think that my vocal cords are going to go out 
and that's all I obsess about for the whole day before a show. Wow. It's mostly been true. Um, and I think I just squeeze and like put so much pressure on myself in the moment. I just end up blowing it out. And when I'm yeah. not thinking about it and I'm in the moment and the energy's there in the room, just, you know, it's, it's a yeah. lot easier and there's going to be a lot of energy on that first show in the room. I just hope that I can match what's, what's uh, <laughs> happening. So it's, I'm sure it's going to be awesome, man. Is, is that going to be, so when you come to furnace fest, is that going to be the first show? The first show, yeah. 16 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In front of however many thousands of people there will be sitting there waiting for that to happen. You're just like, oh, click, click, click. Yeah. <laughs> Here it goes. You know? Let's see what happens. Uh, yeah, oh, man. man. Um, so, uh, how, okay, so Furnace Fest, right? So this was supposed to happen yeah. last year. Um, it was. Did you all get back together specifically for Furnace Fest, or was that already something that was in the works and then jumped into Furnace Fest? Like, was it specifically for this event that you guys decided to join back up, or what was the? Yeah, so I, I think it was either Dusty or Johnny got an email from Chad. Um, we worked with Chad for a really long time. That's who's organizing Furnace Fest. He's the mm -hmm. he's the face of Furnace Fest. And they just kind of put it out there. Hey, we'd love to have you guys. Your name keeps coming up. Um, so they kind of just, oh, you know, sent an open invitation to yeah. see what would happen on our end. And um, after talking to all of our guys, we went down and had lunch with Josh and kind of felt it out with him. He's our singer. And, um, and we just decided we'd do it. And I think that's what actually what spurred okay. the, you know, the other shows on. So um, they offered us, they made a great offer. We obviously, we, we said yes to that. And then, yeah, we just, we couldn't do Furnace Fest and not play locally, you know, yeah. not play in North Carolina. So yeah, you got to pay tribute, right? To For sure. Your roots. Yeah, man. Yeah, that makes and honestly, it was supposed to be, it was supposed to, we were actually supposed to play the local shows and then do Furnace Fest. Okay. Um, but then the way with everything got canceled and all that kind of stuff last year, yeah, now we're doing Furnace Fest first and doing our local shows last. So. <laughs> so they were like, yeah, we'll get back together. And then the world shuts down and then you're just in yeah. for a year. But, here, yeah. but, here, <laughs> but here's the deal, man. The, I think that that is... Uh, gonna play huge um so furnace fest it's already there's already so much nostalgia surrounding this event because it's like it's like all the bands that i would have gone to see back in like 2004 or five six you know what i mean yeah all, like literally all the bands <laughs> and uh so there, there's that so it's already like a, a huge thing but then the fact that so many people were locked down this past year and couldn't go to shows couldn't go to concerts and so maybe for a lot of people this is probably like the first sort of time they're going to be able to you know get back at least something that's like this level of of epic you know what i mean so yeah. it just it just seems like um a really special thing you know a really sort of like yeah. epic opportunity do, do you guys feel that on your end like does how does it feel to be a part of this kind of a thing right now after all these years of not being together yeah um i definitely don't take the don't take it lightly that somehow our name remained 
on people's lips for that long, you know, afterwards. Um, so I feel very honored in that way to be able to hold a special spot on a fest with, I mean, we're talking like seven, I don't know how many bands, 70 bands, 70 other, (laughs) some of those bands are like truly like groundbreaking in their genre. Some of those bands are still going, but a lot of those bands like hold such important, um, such an, such an important place in just my, like my heart and in my life that like, I would actually be considered, not I, that, that we, that our band would be considered shoulder to shoulder with some of those bands is probably what means the most to me. Awesome. Um, and, and it sounds so trite to say like, Oh, I'm so humbled. I'm so humbled that we get to play this giant. It's like, no, it kind of sounds like you've got a little bit of an ego, but honestly, it's like my mind is just blown that, that we're still able to do it that we're still wanted to do it, that we've we've been invited and that all these other bands feel the same way. There's a lot of bands coming out of the, you know, coming out of the ground. They've been buried for a long time to come, come back and do this. So there must be something so special that for, for all of us, I think, but yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful. Yeah, man. It's so, it's, it's awesome. It's a it's a it's a big deal. It's such a cool thing. Um, I think that you guys, you know, just get to be a part of it. And for me, it's huge. For me, I'm just ah. For me, it's crazy. I, I um, you know, there there was yeah. there was some questioning there whether or not uh, I was going to be able to to make to go personally to Furnace Fest. And I was talking with one of my buddies, and we yeah. were just like, it it just there were there were factors, there were issues, and we were like no like we gotta we gotta pull the trigger we gotta make this happen so <laughs> so I've, it's I've, never I've, gonna happen again exactly right it's never gonna right? happen again yeah it's unreal um so yeah man well so like do you ever well maybe now more so because it's been so long but like what what was sort of your pre-show warm-up kind of a thing like what would you do prior to going out and playing and like would you be are you like do you get nervous before a show still like was that something that was still going on i mean well now you know, again it's it's been a little while so maybe there's gonna be more nervousness now uh but uh but yeah is that was that something like would you still get get nervous before playing and like what was sort of like your i don't know did you have a set routine that you would do like before going out yeah. on stage or what was that like um you know being backstage is like a is a different thing you know it you know um thinking that my experience most of my experience has been from one side of the curtain, I guess, you know, like you're, you're walking around, you're hearing all these vocalists do their warm ups, And yeah, I would kind of, I remember Brandon from dead poetic was like, yeah, I do this warm up." And he showed me a CD that had like a, you know, had a warm up on it. And I was like, well, I'll start doing that. So that yeah. kind of became like a la 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 la, <laughs> you know, that kind of that thing. Sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I would do that and I don't know if it ever did anything. So I kind of stopped, you know, um, and then I heard some guys like, no, you do this. So I learned yeah. how to buzz. And then honestly, I'm also a drummer. So I'm like, yeah, maybe I should just kind of warm up with my sticks, but I don't think I picked up any of that stuff until like we were all touring and more professional and, 
because in my younger years, I'm just talking and hanging out. And then right. the guys in the band are like, dude, you're supposed to be setting up your drum set. And I'm like, oh, like, so I feel like there's this, there's like that pressure of like, now I've got to be a professional. I've got to warm up and get myself, I've got to get in my zone, man. Yeah, man. It's like, yeah, I totally understand that. And I don't know what it's like to be Celine Dion. So I, you know, like I, she's, she's got to get in a real zone and like sing and perform in front of 25,000 people and all this kind of stuff. Mm. But, you know, for me, it was like the people in the crowd had just as much of a part of it as I did. And so like, I never took it. I felt really silly kind of partaking in a lot of the pro, the professional, um, things you know that hardcore and metalcore band started yeah, to man. take a part take part of it just felt kind of silly um now looking back on it, i realized i'm like man that that was all actually really good stuff but at well, the moment i felt like i was being uh i was being egotistical or something by like la 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 <laughs> so, like, what am i getting ready for so i go out there and scream to people like we're a hardcore band like you scream you scream yeah. because there's something inside of you. So I'm not trying to put on a performance. I got Everybody you. I got there you. is doing something you. together. So for me, I just, I don't know, man, like the pre-show thing, I think I just liked hanging out, man, eating like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like I would do all the things you weren't supposed to do <laughs> yeah, before like, you go. Probably the best idea is to eat peanut butter <laughs> before <laughs> having to yeah, like, this vocal perform in front of people. Like, yeah. What do you mean I'm not supposed to be eating this right now? Like, Joe, that can aspirate your vocal cords. You're like, huh? This sweet tea? Like, this, yeah. What are you talking about? Like, I don't know. So that's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully, I answered your question. I think I just beat around the bush a little bit. I don't know. No. So you're good. So so then, uh, do you get are you are you are you nervous? Are you good? <laughs> Oh, you for so this coming up show? Let's yeah, let's talk about these these upcoming yeah. shows. I'm a lot more nervous for these upcoming shows than than I would have been back then. Sure, because that was just everyday life, and my everyday life is so different from this now that like there's like actual preparation that's having to go into it, and a lot of like real uh, come to Jesus moments with myself. Like, yeah. whoa, <laughs> there's some ground to be covered. You know, like I really got to get back in you know, to shape. So like lost, a, lost a bunch of weight to like, kind of get myself down, getting my lungs yeah. active. Johnny's out there running in the hot. I, I pass Johnny all the time. He's like running. I'll honk the horn at him. He looked he'll like pop an earbud out and like, look over, <laughs> like he's going to do something like Johnny, dude, it's just me. I know. I was just messing with you. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So, um, but I, yeah, I'm nervous, but I think it's, I think nerves are good. I just had that talk with somebody else. Like, Hey, nerves are actually really good sometimes, but you know that maybe, maybe you need to be prepared or maybe this is like, yeah. this is a really big deal. So yeah, I don't know, not always well, for a bad sure, thing. For one thing, like if you've got like those butterflies in your stomach kind of thing that yeah. tells you that it's something that matters, you know, at, at the very least it's something that's important to you. And, yeah. you know, usually those are, you know, some of the best moments of your life are crippling like, you know, anxiety is something different you know <laughs> yeah exactly i'm <laughs> then, not going out i'm not gonna do nerves. it i'm gonna stand here and throw up <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. I might just throw up out there. So I'll just go out there and throw up. I did that one time. Intentionally or or you couldn't (laughs) help it? Was it? No, we were in San Francisco and I I had like the flu. And so we were playing and I didn't want to cancel the show. So as I was bringing my drums off stage, I was just like throwing up as I'm walking off, (laughs) coming back to get my drums, just like, you know, it's terrible. There's something so hilarious about seeing someone just throw up like mid whatever they're doing and then just keep going. There's just something amazing about that. We're not going to get paid if I, we're not going to get paid if I don't do this show. So throw up or no throw up. Yeah. (laughs) We got to do it. Um, So then um, Beloved effectively disbanded in 2005 and then it was what, like five minutes later <laughs> that you started Advent? <laughs> yeah, technically <laughs> Not 15 quite, days right? later. <laughs> <laughs> 15 days, okay. Probably by the end of by the end of like February, we were already writing our first song. Okay, okay. Really funny how your brain works. <laughs> <laughs> what was going on, man? Like, um, what was what was up with that? What happened? You know, I don't think that I actually wanted to stop playing music. Uh-huh. I don't think that I wanted to stop playing music. Um, I think I wanted out of that situation with Beloved um, okay. that I just wasn't able to handle in the moment. You know, like, so it's probably, it might, you know, I don't know if I've act, act, actually ever asked Mike and John, or Matt and Johnny how they felt about beloved ending and then me saying to them maybe we should start like a heavy well, band i've got matt and you know? johnny on the line so why don't we <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah Sweet. how cool would that be no that would be so awesome <laughs> but you know maybe we have talked about that but it was you know i definitely realized that that was like kind of strange to quit one band and start another within just a really within just like a few days um, but yes, we did that. We did that. <laughs> that happened. We wrote songs and we had a demo out by like the end of April that same okay. year. So, okay. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, um, when you, when you started Advent, so now Advent, so we go from, we go from beloved, which is, you know, again, we're talking about that sort of just juxtaposition of like the melodic moments with like the you mm-hmm. know heavy moments, the breakdown moments and all of that. And uh, just that, you know, melding together of those those two different styles of music into one, which is yeah. just, you know, again, really cool. And then you come out with Advent. And so Advent just goes like straight brutal, <laughs> like yeah. constantly forever without without yeah. uh, without a break. And so, yeah. And, and so it, it just seems like you just stepped out from behind the drums and you were like, all right. I'm just going to kick everybody's teeth in <laughs> vocally, <laughs> like nonstop. Um, was that, so was that sort of your, um, I don't know, like, is, is that just sort of your world? Like, are, have you always just been more into like the, the, the heavier stuff or, um, yeah, I mean, was that like you coming out and, and because now you're like basically the front man, you know, lead vocalist, it's like that, that's where that just naturally went. Was there something, I don't know, I guess what was the, intentionality behind that or was it just the natural progression for you because you're like this is what i've been wanting to do all along (laughs) yeah so matt and i always played and loved heavy music that's what we were into and i think we grew to love the melodic stuff um and we 
we listened to a few bands like that, you know, in high school and, and later on, but our Matt is like a, we call him metal Matt. That's like his, okay. his nick. We have all kinds of names for Matt. Can't share most of them, but he's metal Matt um, to us. And, you know, I, I loved hardcore. I loved like the nineties, late nineties, metalcore stuff. Like one of my favorite bands ever is from New Jersey. They're called for the love of, and yeah, man, um, that's like my, that's my thing, man, for the love of and turmoil and, um, strong arm and, and Johnny was a hardcore kid that we kind of like, we brought him into the band. So he was into hardcore. Like, yeah. so we were the three guys in the band that really loved the heavy stuff. And Josh and Dusty and beloved helped to balance us out. So once we kind of break off and do our own thing, I think it was just a natural yeah. We were like, yeah, we're going to do something buffer, that does not gone, stop. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does not, it's unrelenting in, on the heavy side. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, the second album you guys put out was Naked and Cold. And yeah. the, the title track of that song, Naked and Cold, is like, just, um, I love, I love what you did with that song. So there's, um. You basically have like a very quick sort of drum drop in, like maybe just like a few seconds. And then it's yeah. just like full speed, just <laughs> unrelenting vocals for like four minutes straight. Yeah. And so I heard you do some stuff with your voice in that song that I hadn't previously heard from you up to that point where you're doing like some like higher stuff and these sort of like almost like um there's there's certain parts where it almost sounds like like a rap a little bit where just like what's coming out of your mouth is so quick. Yeah and uh yeah but at the same time like there's th again this is my second nerdy fan moment maybe this i'm gonna try to make this the last one but but uh it's just th there'd be these but the song itself the the lyrics vocally it's, it's just so um poetic to me um right. and so there's this line in the song where it's like um will my generation know that they were bought bought at a price more precious than gold and just like the lyrically like it just seems to me like that's kind of like your heart coming out you know in the right. in this music and so um i maybe want to transition a little bit into like the blending of these worlds of like music and ministry and sort of how yeah. that how that flows together i mean there's there's this other song on the album called revival and uh very like worshipful lyrics um yeah you know, like inviting the Holy Spirit to come crying out, you know, for the presence of God. And so was that something like intentional in terms of like in the midst? Like, is is this song or I guess let me ask you like this. Um, what was the intention behind like the writing of that song specifically? If there was a specific intention, like was it were you thinking about it like that, like picturing yourself? OK, we're you know like in this show setting we're in this hardcore setting where people are going crazy <laughs> like you know losing their minds you know to to you know to music and having a good time was there something like intentional behind that in terms of you know you guys going out and doing that song and um i guess like what is that like in that kind of an atmosphere i might be asking a couple questions in one so hope, maybe hopefully help me out if you can follow my train of thought like the the atmosphere of being in you know you're not on a stage where in terms of people in an atmosphere where people are there with the intention of let's worship god right now but right right it, but in that kind of an atmosphere 
where you know you've got people from all these different backgrounds and you're on the stage like singing about like <laughs> like holy spirit <laughs> come and, yeah. and uh, that yeah. kind of thing and what is that like you know sort of setting that atmosphere in the midst of the it of of that kind of background or backdrop of of where you are does that make sense the, the way i'm asking that question i mean yeah i think so was there intentionality behind that um yeah or was it just you know something that happened <laughs> no that was um dude every lyric that i ever wrote in advent is probably i love the lyrics in beloved and advent was like my thing mm -hmm. so every lyric every lyric every song had a certain message or a certain thought or idea that i wanted to express and when it came to um revival Mm -hmm. um when we were thinking about the way that we were laying out that album that that song really lands like right in the center okay right in the center of the album right so i think it's either like track five or track six yeah but it's like right there and for me everything is intentional um the things that don't even seem to be uh marked with intentionality for me, I like to pay attention to those things. Like when you walk into a cathedral or a building that was made a long, long, long time ago, or when you think about the way that the Orthodox Church practices so much of their faith, everything is intentional from the doorways to what they hold in their hand to, um, you know, when you when you go through certain architecture, when you look at certain paintings, everything is intentional. And so we put that song right in the center. Mm. And not not when I say we, I think like in the moment when I'm thinking about the layout, like I wanted that song to be at the center of what our band was talking about yeah. on that album. Uh and specifically that song, um musically we the way we wrote songs, we would write riffs first. We would start with a riff. Okay. And uh, we wrote that song in the basement of my mother-in-law's art studio. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Out on the side of like this little country road. So I remember being down there and Matt's like playing this simple bum, 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 bum. And it just has this like, it has this, this tension to it that something's building and then we kind of put in these bump 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 you know these hits yeah and all of a sudden it busts into the riff full-on drums and the song is not fast there's really no fast parts in the song there's no part where the song kind of unhinges it all is very like it's driving a point straight forward through the song. Yeah. Man. Unlike any of our other Advent songs, most of our other Advent right. songs always had like, you know, <laughs> a lot of busy kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. And this one's like the anchor point. And mm -hmm. so thinking musically, when I was writing the lyrics, I was like, what is it that we're always waiting on? We're always, what is it that I've been waiting on my whole life? And it's the Lord just willing to be, wow waiting on him to do something that I can't do. Um, but to acknowledge, acknowledge the attributes about him. There is a light in my heart. The, there is a name above all names, Jesus Christ, King of Kings. Mm. 
like yeah. to acknowledge these things and say, you are something so you've planted the light in my heart. You've put the fire in my heart. You are the king above everything. And I have to wait on you. And so, um, you know, Advent was one of those bands, like somehow we got accepted into certain streams of like the, the non-Christian hardcore right. scene. Like we were doing shows with mostly non-Christian bands. Right. Yeah. While there was a whole scene of Christian bands just doing shows with each other. We were like, nope, we said no to all those tours every time. Because we, we would have an invite by a band that was way smaller than any of those bands to go out yeah. and play in front of 50 people at a hardcore show. That's where we wanted to be. Even if it came at the cost of us being known, we would rather do something where we were uh, being authentic with who we were called to be. So wow. um, so that song, um, man, it's like everything that I ever wanted for that band was that God would meet us wherever we were. I think I think the Holy Spirit knew that Joe's not really going to say much from stage unless yeah, he's man. screaming it into a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I scream the gospel. That's where I scream the things that I believe in. There were a lot of bands like Tommy would go out and Tommy would preach from Sleeping Giant. He would right. preach on yeah. stage and yeah. people would get saved and all this kind of awesome stuff. And I don't know if it was my, my lack of boldness or just the way I've always been, but I just was like, I'm putting everything that I believe into the song. And that's okay. where, People are, the Lord's going to meet people in these moments. And sure, people are fighting. <laughs> sure, people are fighting and washing and jumping on each other's heads. The people that I work with at this church, they still don't get, I don't, I don't think they still understand to the degree that like, man, it was crazy when we would play shows. Yeah, man. They're like, you guys should have a show here. I'm like, no, no, no. No, no you don't want that. No, not doing it. <laughs> Doesn't matter what I'm singing about. I'm telling you, there's going to be some really rowdy people that show up. But we, we, uh, I just wanted to, I just wasn't ashamed. I wasn't ashamed. Um, and I wanted everything that I, that every time my pen hit paper mm. to acknowledge, um, that I was completely, um, sold out to, um, to being useful and being um, used by by God, so um, yeah, man. I just want him to show up, man, at those shows, and he did so often. Awesome. And I, and I and I wanted kids to be able to take that album home mm. for him to show up in their in their bedrooms yeah. or in their cars or wherever they were listening to it. So for me, that's that's what that song is about. Yeah, man. Um, there's I hope something. I answered that. No, you did. You did perfectly. <laughs> or, uh, you, you or deciphered we about something you, that was... <laughs> you, de <laughs> you deciphered. You deciphered like what I was trying to ask you because I had like you know some thoughts swirling around in my head and I and I was trying to figure out how to how to ask you in, in a way that made yeah. sense. So I don't know if I succeeded, but you did a good job. So like um, because yeah, man. So I guess I'm just thinking about uh, that that atmosphere and there's something about like there's something about being a hardcore kid you know there's something about being yeah. in that in that world where i mean everybody every everybody's looking for community everybody's looking for acceptance everybody's looking to sort of belong somewhere to feel like they fit mm -hmm. in like everybody's looking for that you know especially when you're a yeah. kid when you're a teenager whatever and there's something about i i think so many people and maybe more so like when we talk about you know like the hardcore genre the emo genre stuff like that 
where people sort of tend to, I don't know, like almost find an identity in the in the music that they're listening to because they you know they they find a way oh well other people that listen to this music they they dress like me too or like they they think like me too or or whatever and i just think that there's so much of this of um so much of what drives people in general is that desire for connection and that desire for community and so being in that kind of an atmosphere it just seems like there would be i mean like I think hardcore kids in particular, like they're looking for something that's real, right? So some people right. find that expression, like it, it just seems like there's this acceptance. And I'm sure, I mean, you could obviously speak to this better than I could, but I mean, you could be a hardcore Christian, you could be straight edge, you can be an atheist, you can be, you know, you you can you can go like in, in many different directions, but I think as long as you're being real and you're being authentic that's sort of what a lot of people are looking for. And so it just seems like when you're um, in that kind of an atmosphere, there would be almost like a natural like receptivity, if that's a word, for, you know, um, something that's real, something that's tangible, something that's authentic. I mean, people are looking for truth. They're looking for something that's real. And so like when you come through and you're singing something that is so like, it's not under the the rug <laughs> it's very blatant like about proclaiming the name of jesus yeah. um i just think that there would be you know something that would happen you know uh, on an atmospheric level you know just like in the atmosphere itself uh but also uh you know like you said when people like you know when a kid has an opportunity to go home maybe they don't do this as much these days but to you know have the actual album and to take it out and start reading the lyrics and like having seen you or, you know, not just you, but having seen the band and to see kind of what you guys stand for and then to like read through and, and see these lyrics that are like, oh, like this is really, you know, proclaiming the name of Jesus and that he saves us and all this stuff. Um, you know, I think that there would be um, that would draw, you know, sort of naturally a lot of people because of the mindset that a lot of people have, I think, in that world. Um, yeah. So like having been in this in this world for so long and having such a heart for people like did you consider what like did you back then um or yeah well we can say back then or now did you or do you look at what you're doing on stage as ministry like do you do you, did you yeah let me say this like back when you were like touring let's say more heavily with advent like, did you consider that to be ministry, what you were doing? Or did you look at it differently than that? Absolutely. All awesome. of it was. So awesome. that's why we positioned ourselves with bands that honestly wrote songs against what we believe. Wow. The, the, after you play a couple shows and you end up at a Waffle House, you know, after a show with a band and you're having a, a conversation with someone who's actually like, Dude, I remember the bass player for this band um, that we toured with. He he's like a professor of like quantum something, uh. <laughs> like, and he's like, you know, I just highly disagree with everything that you believe in, but there's something about hanging out with you guys that's like different yeah. than like other people that I've, you know, that I've labeled as Christians or you know people that. You know, I don't know. I don't think he grew up in a in a church thing. He lived in Philly. Spans from Philly. They're an amazing band called Rain Supreme. Um, okay. Yeah. 
we love those, love those guys. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just remember the value, like finding, finding worth in those moments of like, man, you know what? Like I've traded every dollar, every dollar that we could ever make. If we would have stayed in the Christian scene and kind of played to that, like we traded all that to go sit at Waffle House after shows with guys like this and like just be, um, hopefully I was being Christ to them, you know, like that was the intention. Um, hopefully we, we, we took it all the way home for them in a way like, um, but that's, that's our why, man. Like that's, that's what we wanted to do. At least that's what I wanted to do was to like put intentionally put myself in a room with people that maybe the church um, knew that they were supposed to put themselves in a room with. We're supposed to bring those. Actually, we're supposed to bring those people into our rooms, into our big giant rooms. Yeah. And not just not not water down what we say and not change what we do in order to make them feel welcome, but to welcome welcome them into a place where they can hear the truth in a loving way. And that's what Waffle House became with me. That's what like, you know, the pizza place in Indianapolis after the show became for me. That's what I mean, everywhere we went, it was time spent intentionally to. um not only just be myself, but be who God created me to be knowing that he created me to call other people to him. Wow. So yes, every single bit of it was intentional and ministry related for me. That's awesome, man. So yeah. So then I, I feel like that would just, that would ha- having those experiences um, must have, prepared you in so many ways for even what you're doing now in terms of pastoral ministry and working with mm-hmm. the, the working with teenagers and stuff like that. I mean, as pastors, I mean, in some ways, certain, certain aspects of being a pastor are, are rough or, or can be heavy, you know, in terms of, you know, some of the walking through things with people walking through tragedy with people, you know, things like that, where there's some heaviness to it. But like, I look at what you were doing and I mean, you know, I, I look at me. So part of my job or a big part of my job is to talk to people that already love Jesus <laughs> or already have a relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus to talk to them about Jesus. And so that's easy. You know what I mean? Like part of, part of what I do in terms of preaching is going to be talking to people that aren't there yet and, you know, trying to convince people and stuff like that. But, it, but as far as like a lot of what I do from day to day, like I'm discipling people and I'm walking with people, you know, maybe through situations, through difficulties, through problems, but like, more or less, uh, you know, a, a good amount of the people that I'm that I'm in contact with on a daily basis as a pastor are people who already know the Lord, you know, to a certain extent. Um, and so, like, I, I try to find avenues to go, you know, outside of that and to talk to people and minister to people and stuff like that that are not in a church or, you know, who don't know the Lord and stuff like that. I think that that's so important. But, you know, that compared to like what that lifestyle that you lived in where you're interacting with people on a regular basis. Um, and you know, a lot of these people that you're interacting with are just vehemently against what you stand for. Yeah. But being able to sort of be that light in that dark place, um, that's, um, 
yeah, man, I just wonder, like, how is that translated maybe into what you're doing now with like walking with, you know, teenagers and helping prepare them for life and to be maybe a light in their school or, you know, where they are in their generation? Yeah, I think I was actually, I think I said it to the middle schoolers one night. I, th- I said, being in a room full of middle schoolers sometimes is a lot more intimidating than being in a room full of like <laughs> criminals and uh, and uh, like hardcore people at a show. So uh, you guys scare me a little bit. You know, that's the game that to them. Some of them kind of ran with it. I was like, listen, I'm not being serious. Like, I'm just trying to make you feel better about yourself. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, like I, some, sometimes you realize that you've gotten comfortable in certain scenarios. Like for a long time in the Advent days, I got comfortable being around people that were unbelievers and being that person that was like almost, I would become the pastor on tour. I would become the, even, even amongst a lot of the Christian bands that we would tour with, you realize you're like, you're the guy that eventually is doing counseling on tours and stuff. You're like, Hey, I'm not qualified for this, but yeah, I'll give you some advice. (laughs) Uh, And then you're, and then you go from that to um, sitting in a room full of pastors and I have no credentials. I'm not, my credentials are my time on the road. That's like probably why they hired me because I was like, had a completely different set of experiences than they did. And somehow that in their eyes qualified me. But anyways, um, I, dude, this is, this is tough because I feel like you can get comfortable in the, in the, in the place that you come from Mm. and it makes you uncomfortable into the place that you're going into and going into ministry. I had to learn a whole new set of like, not rules, but, um, and not techniques because because doing ministry is not about a technique right it's about establishing relationships with people and it's not something we can just read out of a book and you know unless the holy spirit has inspired you to read something out of a book a certain way which granted his word is that for us yeah um and so many other great books written by people but um it's not a technique that you can learn. Ministry isn't something that, that can be, um, that you can meet in a room together and figure out how to, you know, there's no rules and guidelines. There's, right. There are plenty of those things that, that teach us how to act appropriately in certain situations, but nothing's ever really going to teach me um, how to sit down with a 16 year old kid who's, father's dying of cancer and yeah, man. you have to like really have a real conversation with him and help him through that in in your own way in that moment right and that's just the work of the holy spirit man it's got to be um and through reading his word and studying as much as you can like yes that's that's, that's great but i making the transition from hardcore or being in music to ministry was not as easy I, as I would have thought because everyone's looking at me like Joe's Joe's got tattoos. He's younger. He must have a real way with the youth. It's like, right. No, I don't know. I don't because I don't know who little 
Pepper, the new rapper is, or whoever. You know, right. Like, yeah, man. Yeah. Little pepperoni. Like I don't, <laughs> I'm still very, very different than these kids. And, and, and it's gotta be the Lord that shows up in those situations. And, um, and after being seasoned somewhat, I've only been in ministry for like six years, technically as a pastor uh-huh. on staff of a church, six years, like, I feel like I'm just now starting to even understand how to do it, how to do it. And I've read books and I've been to conferences and I've done all the things that like any Joe Schmo pastor would do in order to kind of arm themselves and uh, get themselves ready for these moments. And dude, sitting down with someone who's just lost someone is just as hard whether you went to 16 years of school or zero years of school, whether you are ever, um, whether your experience in the hardcore scene or you have no idea who Advent is, like, (laughs) or, you know, like until you've lost someone, I tell you what got me ready for ministry, ministering to people who have lost someone was losing someone, Mm. was losing my dad. That taught me what it was like to be on the other side of the table instantly. Yeah. So, that's actually where I felt my, felt the calling to like go into, I'd love to be a pastoral care or even work with like adults one day. I'd love to do that. Okay. And that's because the pastoral care minister at the time, I remember him putting his arm around my shoulder, standing in front of my dad's casket. He was just like, he was such a good man. And he told me a story and it, you know, like about my dad. And that was when the Holy spirit was like, yeah, you're going to want to do this one day for somebody. Wow. So that's like, well, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I don't think I answered your question. <laughs> no, no, it's good, man. I, I don't think even I remember what my question was. My own... <laughs> <laughs> I have this effect on I'm, people that I I'm don't f- quite I'm answer fumbling, the question. I'm fumbling through this interview, man. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just so happy to be talking to you. And, uh, and it's, you know, just to kind of get your perspective on things. Um, it's huge. And I think that that's, so I think that it's so helpful, you know, for for other people who maybe maybe they're in ministry or maybe they're I mean, I'm connected with a lot of people that are either in ministry, maybe they're young, you know, young ministers and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, I think all of this is really, really helpful. Um, yeah, that's so huge when somebody just comes alongside of you and lets you know that they're there and that they're standing with you through the trial that you're going through, you know, walking with you through something that you've never dealt with before. You don't know how to deal with it. Go ahead, man. The, I heard somebody say the ministry of presence. That's like mm-hmm. one of the most important things that a pastor can do in somebody's life. And That's dude, good. with a teenager, there's, you could say all the words you want to, yeah. and they all, they might go in one ear and out the other. And it's not till they've either done something, they've done the thing you told them not to do. And they send you the text that says, Hey, I just OD'd. I've got out of the hospital. I'm so, I should have listened to you. Like Mm. that happened. Um, Or, or, you know, like, well, whatever those, those scenarios all, all happen. And it's not until, uh, it's not until you, you've, you've showed them that you're there that I think they really realize that um, you were actually there on the Lord's behalf as well. You know, you were, when God says that he's there, 
he is there, but he also sends us there. And we're supposed to just be there with people when they're going yeah, through their man. crap, man. Even if, even if it's all their fault, even if they, everything that happened to them was their fault, but you're still there, that shows them that God is still there. So yeah, for real, that's why I want to be there. That's why yeah. I want to be a presence in, in, you know, a student or an adult's life, no matter what they're going through. Yeah, so man. important. It's like that old uh, that old adage. Uh, I don't know if it qualifies as an adage. I don't know, but it's a <laughs> it's a saying. <laughs> uh, people don't know. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And and I think yeah, sometimes as true. ministers, as pastors, as as whoever, even as just a friend, like if you've never, maybe you've never walked through it on your own, or it's just something you're dealing with for the you know for the first time or first few times or whatever. Sometimes you start walking through something with somebody, and there's like like ner there can be nervousness for somebody like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to have the words to say, like, I don't know how I'm going to talk to this person. How am I going to minister to this person? And, um, and something that's been so helpful for me is just that just like, look, the most important thing is just to be there. I mean, most yeah. of the time, you know, sometimes there's people that come to you and they want advice and you know, whatever, but so often when somebody's hurting, when somebody's broken, when somebody's dealing with something that's, that's difficult, a lot of times just you being there and like you said, the ministry of presence, I love that. Just you being present with them in that situation, letting them know that you're there, letting them feel that you're there and walking you know, with them through that, letting them know that they matter, that they're important. Because like you said, I mean, we're here to demonstrate Jesus, right? We're here to represent him to the world around us. We're here to, to, uh, to love on people because when we love on people, we effectively demonstrate the love of Christ. That's what this is all about. That's why people are able to talk to you in a Waffle House and see that there's something different about you um, without you having to like, you know, necessarily just go full blast, like preaching, you know, preaching at people. But like just kind of seeing you and the way that you portray yourself, the stuff that matters to you, the values that you have, which comes out in your in your music and stuff like that. And then like being being there and just being real and authentic and upfront with people and them sort of seeing like yeah you know there there's just something different about you and it just it represents who god is and so yeah. when we get into a situation with somebody that just needs that like they don't need duke or joe like they don't need that what they need is jesus but god has positioned us you know in their lives so that we can sort of just help to be that maybe connection point um, for them yeah. to know how much he loves and cares for them. And yeah. that, that just, yeah, as you illustrated so well with what you went through with your dad and uh, that pastor coming alongside you and just kind of putting his arm around you and just that knowing that he, you know, that he was there and, and him walking through that season with you. Um, that's huge, man. Yeah. I think about the the way that the Holy Spirit has been has ministered. That's what He does. The Holy Spirit ministers to us, and um, so His presence in my life, just sitting on the floor. My dad's in the other room. I'm sitting on the floor in the across the hallway, looking at him, and I don't. I never remember a point. When the Holy Spirit's going, hey Joe, 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 let me give you a really good word, real quick. Wow, let me give you a on. good word. He's just sitting there with me as I'm bawling my eyes out. Wow. And for months and months and months, like I think he was just there. 
And so, yeah, I, I don't remember the Holy Spirit like, hey, let me get, you need to go, you know, like trying to give me advice in the moment. He's just like, no, I, I'm the comforter. I'm here. Yeah. I've got my arm around you. And so that's what quickens me to say like, yes, that's, that's how I need to be when I approach these situations, no matter how dire, even if it's something great, even if it's something yeah. great, you know, like just to show up for a kid's graduation or whatever, like right. just be yeah. there, you know, like even in the good moments, the Holy Spirit's there with us. He's cheering us on, you know, like, but it's not always this megaphone voice where we don't always have to have the right words to say, you know, sometimes we don't even have to say any words at all. And we've ministered to people. So, um, yeah, we, we make things a lot more difficult than I think they should be a lot of times. Oh, yeah. in 100%. <laughs> 100%. So I like reminding people that it's okay to just come back down to the simplicity of life, mm. like to the simplicity of like what the gospel really is. Love to it. state clearly the gospel. If somebody needs some advice, then dude, you go straight to the word of God and give it to them. Like, and if somebody needs you to be firm, don't be afraid to be firm. If somebody needs acceptance in a moment of rejection, well, that's exactly what the Lord is good at. He accepts those of, that have been rejected. And maybe you can use a little bit of wisdom and and not have to give someone a boatload of advice, but rather just be an arm around them and give them a place to kind of work through their junk and, and speak truth when they need to hear truth and, and always be loving through all of it. So I don't know. It's yeah, man. That's awesome. Simple. Yeah, brother. Yeah. We definitely overcomplicate things like crazy. And the gospel is man. It's, it's simple. It's so simple. It's, it's simplicity, you know, and when we complicate things and, and you know, even, even when we start to feel like that, like we need to have all the answers and stuff like that. No, like you, you definitely don't like you're going to learn things along the way that are going to help you, you know, maybe become more proficient at, you know, ministering in this context or that context, or, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe you become better, you become more graceful when it comes to being with somebody. But, but yeah, like we don't need to, by any stretch of the imagination, have, all of the answers for all the problems that people are facing. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's how you burn out like really quick in ministry when you're trying to solve problems for everybody. It's like, no, I just know how to point people to the source, you know, yeah. to the one who has everything. We're just so. bringing them to the water. Yeah. Just, just bring somebody to the water source every day and That's let good. them drink. Cause it's not, you're not supplying the water, you know, you're just <laughs> yeah, bringing them not. to it. So, yeah i gotta get water for myself you know what i mean so yeah I'll, yeah yeah i can't yeah that's good um did you ever think man that you would be uh, well so prior to that prior to that experience we're walking through that you know season of tragedy tragedy in your own life and yeah uh, where you felt like the holy spirit started to you know maybe impress some things on your on your heart for for you know ministry for become for being a pastor um did you ever really prior to that think of yourself in that way that you would ever be that you would be doing ministry in this context like you're um, in now? So it's so funny. You said like, I don't, I think you said this, that when you were little, you kind of had, you were asking questions mm -hmm. about what is it, you know, what does it take to be a pastor? And I don't think, I don't know if I ever asked my parents this, but I had plenty of moments where that was like a thought on the forefront. And I think I've always looked at, um, any relationship, not in some sort of way where I, 
I think it was just happening, happening organically and I accepted it, but I've okay. always been looking at everything that I do as ministry, whether it was like my first job at the car wash or um, even in high school, making the friends that I was making, like I had some really great youth pastors that were teaching us that you can, you can do ministry all the time, no matter where you're at, you know, right. no matter what yeah. your job title is. And so I've always just been like, Hey Lord, just take me where you want me to go. Um, and I'll just, I'll just go there and I'll find the people that you want me to tell about you. And, uh, so I just ended up here. <laughs> like I just ended up here. This is the church that I grew up at. Um, I'm connected. My family is deeply connected to this church. My, awesome. my, my pawpaw, as we called him, died on the stage of this church, you know, and at the end of a prayer, really? praying about being in the presence of the Lord. I have an audio recording of it. I have it typed out on paper, like what he died of a heart attack. Boom, right there, oh, just dropped goodness. to the floor and went to be with the Lord. So for, for me, Whoa. There's something that ties me to this body just yeah. more than like, I really love these people. It's like death tied me here. Wow. So like where my, where my papa went to be with the Lord was like here. So with these <laughs> yeah. people. Wow. And so I know older people that were there that witnessed it. And every time they speak about it, it just does something in my heart, you know, like, um, something about that did something for me now that just makes me want to be um, not loyal loyalty, you know, in some <laughs> weird way, but like, Hardcore man, like loyal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> loyalty, honor, <laughs> friendship, you know? Uh, but like people are probably like, what are they talking about? You just have to be there. You'd have to be at a show and know what yeah. we're talking about. Oh, yeah. But like, Something about like knowing that somebody I what my father's father died, the last words on his lips were here, like yeah, man. about being in the presence of the Lord. That there's something so cool about that that I might be able to partake in that in some sort of way, and like, not that I want to die here. <laughs> but like that i that my blood could be um that my last heartbeat would be tied to these people too you know like in a sort of way so um yeah i don't know man no that's a beautiful thing man it's a beautiful thing it's um it's awesome that you have that that place of of just community and that place where you're known and you're accepted and um and that now you know with the now this this opportunity to to minister and um yeah it's so cool i love it do you do you find that so like with your middle schoolers um and the you know the teenagers that you're ministering to are they I don't know. Do you get like street cred <laughs> because of like where you're from? Or is it kind of like, so here's the thing. Like, I know, I know that, uh, you know, you take famous people, people that are, you know, whatever, whatever they are, if they're athletes, if they're, you know, singers, whatever they're famous when they're at home, like they're just 
dad or mom. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is there yeah. that kind of dynamic? Like everybody, like, like they know you. And it's like, oh yeah, it's 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 Pastor Joe. Like he doesn't. Or do you do you have like some some street cred? I would imagine that like if someone if I was a kid and someone was inviting me to church and they were like, oh, you got to come. Like my youth pastor, he's uh like he's. He's a he's a hard he's in a hardcore band. I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going to that for sure. <laughs> Does that ever play in your favor, or are they pretty much like, I don't know, like just like business as usual kind of thing? That's really funny. Um, so for the few kids whose parents are either my age or close, close, either a little yeah, yeah. older, a little bit of younger, yeah. and their parents knew the the bands that I was in those kids they know their parents have indoctrinated them with music just like we all do to our kids we show them everything that we're into and try to hopefully get them to uh kind of dig what we're what we were all about at one point so with them they're like yeah that's really cool joe was in a band and for other kids i think it's funny we just took our kids i think last it was last monday when i was talking to you I, I was on a trip to a like a theme park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. And I was sitting down with one of the kids that didn't want to ride on the roller coasters. And she said, Joe, did you realize that you have a Wikipedia page? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah. Cause, oh, I've made it. I'm you know, on Wikipedia. Other, you know, other you know, students have told me that I didn't know I had one until probably two years ago, which was kind, kind of a big deal. Kind of you know weird. <laughs> You're like, why do you, why do you care this much that you yeah, made man. me a Wikipedia page? Cool, thank you, whoever's doing it because they're keeping it updated. Seriously, <laughs> I have Wikipedia no clue how, how to. Yeah, yeah, man. dude. So, but yeah, they're they're like that is so crazy. I was telling one of my friends that my youth pastor has a Wikipedia page, and they're thinking about coming. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> what is this? this is so weird um, that is awesome. you know with some of the with some of the kids that are like quote unquote bad kids to show up as soon as you've got a passion that's got tattoos they're either a poser or they're like real you know so i got you yeah. um i'm somewhere in between yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it probably so all balances out to just like yeah. regular youth pastor joe mustin <laughs> So they're they're like either this dude's like been on the streets or like he he just went and got tattoos because he thought it would like be cool for the youth group. Well, the the second one's not the case, and the the first the first one, yeah, I've been on the streets, but only out on the street at the hardcore show when they're yeah. you yeah. know either spectating or just standing out in front of the show. I've never I didn't live life on the street, so um, there's like there's there's a little bit of cred that comes with like having a past somewhere outside of the church, you know? Um, but I, I'm good if I'm good if none of the kids ever knew any of the stuff I ever did. Yeah. And in fact, I think when I started, when I started as a youth pastor, I was using a lot of my, like a lot of that to kind of get their attention. And I think the longer I've been doing this, the less I care about like, yeah, guys. So one time when I was on tour with my band that was signed, I, uh, you know, I use less of those stories yeah, man. now than I used to, because I thought that's what I was supposed to do in order to get their attention, bring them in. I'm like, you know what? Just like, just do what the Holy Spirit is saying in the moment. And that's if good. you get to tie in like your, your past good, if not, maybe that's even better. I don't know. So Yeah. 
No, that's good, man. Well, hey, Joe, really appreciate you, man. Um, I know uh, we've got it. We've got to start wrapping this up. So, yeah, man. Um, so yeah, brother. Thank, thank you again. Thank you for doing this, and thanks for doing this sort of extended interview. I know, you know, this was uh, you kind of blocking off a, a good section of your morning here, and I, I really appreciate it. it. Really means the world to me. Um, again, I'm s such a big fan. Looking forward to seeing you guys in in two months from now, um, up in Birmingham, and uh, yeah, yeah. Man, it's gonna be awesome. So. But yeah, thank you again, man. I love what you're doing. I love just um, even even just the ending, the way this conversation ended and just talking about the simplicity of the gospel and the simplicity of knowing Jesus and just wanting to connect people with the presence of God, um, you know, young people, old adults, you know, whatever, just connecting people to God's presence. And um, I just love that, man. And so thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thanks for what you're doing in the kingdom. And uh, again, thank you for, for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to do this with you. So I would block out more time. Let's do this again sometime in the future. Yeah, please, man. Yeah, I'd love it. I'd love it. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for taking the time to check out this episode. Really hope you enjoyed this episode with Joe Mustin. Um, oh, hey, Joe, let's just do this. If uh, how, would, how would people maybe get connected with, like, your Instagram if they want to follow you or anything? Yeah. Like Where'd you point So to? my Instagram name is the at symbol Joe, J-O-E. Mustin, M-U-S-T-E-N, at Joe Mustin. I'm there. I'm on ad, the Advent Hardcore page, Beloved NC. Um, yeah, Ember, you know, I've, we've got our church yeah. page on kind of stuff. They're, they're more than welcome to follow that, but, but go follow your own church. Do your own church. Yeah. <laughs> do, do your church. <laughs> Show do up your to church your first. church. Yeah, that's good. Be the, person, be the person that other people remember was always at church. Love it's not it. a bad thing to be. Love it. That's good. That's good advice. So at Joe Mustin on Instagram. And then, yeah, like up in your profile, they'll see the links for all the other stuff. All the other. Yeah. Yeah. I've got all that for stuff. Beloved NC and uh, yep. Advent and all that good stuff. Uh, also, Wisdom of the Cross. Shout out to Wisdom of the Cross. There are you, you I don't know. Are you are you still doing it or was that I, sort of. Uh... I've got I've got a bunch of stuff stored up, but okay. I felt like I was. I don't know. I think I, I've got a lot of stuff ready to, to go come down the chute. So I'm, I've, I've thought about it because other people have asked me, but just, you know, awesome. quick, very quick musings on ideas and stuff. So, yeah. So just, let me just mention really, really quick. So um, Wisdom of the Cross, there's sort of these um, uh, brief devotionals uh, in text yeah. format, right? These devotionals yeah. that there's always uh, you, you include a picture of basically some sort of um, historic description of not description depiction is what i meant to say of yeah. the cross of, of jesus um giving his life in our place or something like that these sort of like famous um older paintings and stuff like that and uh yeah and then some sort of um biblical just nugget of truth to go along with that sort of a little devotional um about the cross anything that you that you would uh yeah just give us like 30 seconds on the heart behind that before we <laughs> that was a, that was a fake out that was the i'm a preacher so i have to have more than one closing uh so, yeah <laughs> yeah so the message of the cross actually comes from probably i was just reading through first and second corinthians like i just read them both in uh like one night <laughs> just to, like awesome. i just wanted to read it all yeah, but uh, I'm in the I'm reading out of the new King James version. Don't know why. It's just where I'm landed right now. But the wisdom of the cross comes from First Corinthians one eighteen says, "For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us 
who are being saved. It is the power of God. Yeah. So that is like my life. That's my life verse. So yeah, oh. that's, that's the story behind it. Just in love, what happened for me at the cross and I'm in love, what happened for other people at the cross. And so grateful that the ultimate price was paid. Just like you said, from that song, will my generation know that they were bought at a price more precious than gold. So that's what happened there. And it's for, it's for all people, anyone who would, anyone who would submit themselves and say, Jesus, you are Lord. Hmm. Um, It's for them. So good. So good. All right. Thanks again, Joe. Love you, brother. Thank you. uh, Love you too, man. Thanks everybody. Have an awesome week. See you next time. Thanks again for catching this episode of Real Live Talk. For future reference, new episodes are released live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube every Monday and Thursday. And uh, these podcasts are uploaded later on to Spotify, Apple, Google, and most of the major podcast platforms out there. If you haven't done so already, if you'd consider subscribing. And uh, if this episode blessed you or added any kind of value to your life in any way, if you're looking for a way to support the channel, you can do that again by subscribing, also by sharing and leaving a review. Thank you so much. Hope you have a blessed day.